to the Utah Man Podcast for fans by fans. Your number one Utah Utes podcast. Now your hosts, Cameron, Ryan, and Scott. Welcome on into the Utah Man Podcast, part of Torn by Sports Podcasting Network. I'm Cameron. We got Ryan. Hey, Ute Nation. And Scott. Howdy, howdy. And we have a special guest for you today. We have Andrew from Scout.com. And it looks like he's on the line, so let's hurry and bring him on right now. Andrew, thanks for joining us this evening. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me on. I want to ask you right out the get-go, Utah's linebackers, uh, they're going to be thin next year with a lot of guys graduating, moving on. Where do you see this Utah recruiting class with in regards to their linebackers? Yeah, you know, and obviously that's a, it's a huge hole for Utah to fill up because that's a, kind of the heart and soul of that defense right now with Gianni Paul and Jared Norris, Stephen Jason Whittingham. Uh, the recruiting class as of right now doesn't have a lot of linebackers that have on it, actually. Uh, the big, the headliner of the class as far as linebackers go is, uh, uh, Curtis Taufa out of Snow College, uh, kind of recommitted to Utah after flipping to Kansas after originally being committed to Utah. He's a real player. He's somebody that staff, uh, certainly expects to come in, uh, and contribute from day one, if not start from day one. Uh, he's very aggressive, very fast, takes great angles to the ball. Uh, he's a little bit more of a Chiani Paul than he is uh, a Jared Norris. He he just has great instincts, and uh, he flies to the football. So I think he's somebody that you can expect to um, to come in and start from day one. And then the other big commitment that they have as far as he's not necessarily a linebacker right now, but that's where he projects best is Devere Hamilton. Um, out of Long Beach, uh, Long Beach High School, California. The staff expects him to come in and, and be kind of a defensive athlete. He could potentially grow into a defensive end, but I think outside linebacker is, is his best spot. He also has the ability to play wide receiver, though. I don't think he um, projects at the college level best as a receiver. So he's somebody that they expect to, to come in, and just because he's such a great athlete, he can contribute right away. But then the staff is just going to rely on a lot of these guys that are already in the system. Uh, guys like Jake Jackson, uh, Sunia Cautioli, Wyatt Messina, guys that have been in the system, uh, they, they need to step up and they need to fill the void just because uh, the Utah linebackers right now are really uh, excellent. And uh, that's going to be a big drop-off next year. Um, so there's not a whole lot coming in with this class. They may uh, bring in one more uh, a guy to keep an eye on is um, Oh, his name is, uh, his last name is Hoskins out of Riverside Community College. His first name uh, is kind of escaping me right now, but it's another Juco guy. He's somebody that they could possibly bring in as well, but they may be done with linebackers in this recruiting class. So, so Andrew, let me ask you, I uh, I was reading actually on scout.com that uh, this uh, this Saturday we're getting a visit from a UCLA commit, uh, Lokeni Toaloa. From uh, yeah. a linebacker, what what are the odds that uh, being that he's co- currently committed to UCLA, what are the odds that uh, we could swing him? You know, I would put them as great right now, just because the main factor is is that Lopeni's brother Lenny Toailoa is also committed to UCLA. Now he's a defensive back. Uh, Lenny is 
Um, he's not quite the caliber of player that Kenny is, but Kenny is an absolute stud. He's an Under Armour All-American. He's a guy that if he were to come to Utah, he'd probably be up there to, to start from day one as a true freshman. He's extremely skilled. Uh, he hits like a brick wall. I mean, he, he brings a load every time uh, on every snap. And so, no, I wouldn't put the chances as great. If he if his brother was visiting with him, I would feel a little bit better just because Kenny early on in the process, expressed a lot of interest in Utah. Um, he was very interested in the system, really liked what the, uh, how Utah used their linebackers. But then once UCLA, that offer came in, it kind of shut everything down for him. He, he grew up a UCLA fan, and so it, it, that was kind of it for him. And so... It's great that they do have him get. They are getting him on a visit because you know what you can't you can't hit if you don't swing, and so um, they're definitely going to give it their best shot. But right now, I put it somewhere between ten and fifteen percent chance as far as them flipping him. If they are able to get his little brother Lo- Lenny Toliloa on a visit, which may not even happen because Utah hasn't even offered him, um, then the chances would go up. But right now, it's not looking too great. Okay, sw- switching it over a little bit to the offensive side, uh, Whittingham has uh, has been asked in several uh, uh, press conferences about their depth or or areas on the, in the team or in the program where the depth is not necessarily where they would like it to be. What w- what position group do you think he's referring to? Where where is our depth lacking? I uh, you know I think it's I think it's lacking at two areas. I think it's lacking lacking at running back, and I think it's lacking at offensive tackle. Um, I think they have a lot of guys in the, in the system right now who can play offensive tackle, but would better be better suited at offensive guard. Guys like Derek Paolo, uh, even J.J. Dillman, I, I think would be a much more natural guard than, uh, than right tackle, which is what he's currently playing in. So I think offensive tackle is an area where they could certainly improve the depth. Um, running back, uh, just because right now what we're seeing it, with Devontae Booker down, if, God forbid, Joe Williams went down, the next man up would be maybe Bubba Poole, who's now a receiver. It'd be Marcus Sanders-Williams, who's almost more of a fullback than running back. And so there's not a lot of great depth at running back. The good news is that they have a lot of skilled guys coming in at running back with this recruiting class. Obviously, the latest commitment for Utah was Zach Moss out of Hallandale High School. Um, same high school as Tyler Huntley and Amari Simpkins, who are quarterback and wide receiver commitments. Uh, he's a big bruiser, uh, 5'10", 210 pounds, great blend of size and speed. Uh, just a really good all-around back. Uh, they have another running back, uh, Devontae Henry Cole out of Florida at St. Thomas Aquinas. He's more your speed back, small, 5'8", 170 pounds, great speed. And then the Juco uh, running back, Nick Thomas McDonald. Is also kind of more of an all-around back. He's more of a bigger build, 5'11", 190, 195 pounds. And so they have three really good guys coming in, so that depth should be better next year. Um, but then they still need to lock up offensive tackles, in my opinion. They need to get a couple more uh, able bodies there, guys who could step in and play right away if needed. Because uh, if, Sam Te- if, say, Sam Tevy and J.J. Dillman would go down, uh, you'd be down to Jackson Barton and Andrew Alvers. You know, no offense to Andrew Roberts, but he's not a Pac-12 caliber tackle. Jackson Barton's not quite there yet, though obviously he's just a redshirt freshman. Um, so offensive tackle is definitely an area of concern as far as depth. Hey, I'd like to ask you a question, or maybe just your opinion on uh, 
the quarterback and the offense um, in regards to recruiting. Wondering if if the, our ability to land a really good quarterback is because there, we don't have any coaches that have experience coaching a quarterback or even played quarterback, or is it just the type of offense we typically run? You, you know, that's a great question. Obviously, I think it's a little bit of a kind of a chicken or the egg um, scenario with it. Is uh, do you have to have a good coaching staff to get a good quarterback committed, or do you have to get a good quarterback committed to have a good offense? So, um, it's, it's that's a hard question to answer. Um, you know, I actually really like both quarterbacks, uh, all four quarterbacks that they have in this class now. Uh, Troy Williams is obviously the headliner, um, the Juco commit. Uh, he is a great, great athlete, and he's a great passer. He's incredibly improved with his passing. Uh, I mean, at Santa Monica College, he's been throwing for a ton of yards, a ton of touchdowns, and he hasn't been relying on his feet. And that's, that's kind of what he was known for coming out of high school. He was the number one dual, dual threat. Uh, quarterback coming out of high school three years ago and uh, at Santa Monica College, he just isn't using his feet. And so I think he's a great guy right there. Tyler Huntley uh, out of Hallandale High School is putting up insane numbers this year. His team is close to winning a state championship. And then Kaki Nevis is a guy who I personally think is a little bit underrated as far as a quarterback. Uh, I've watched him about five or six times this year. And he has a lot of tools that I really like as a quarterback. He's got a great, strong arm. He's big. He can handle the punishment of obviously running the ball, which is what Utah looks for. Um, and so I really do like all three quarterback commits that they have in this class. I think, honestly, the issue is that there's not a great, a lot of development going on at Utah. Um, obviously, Travis Wilson was a pretty highly regarded recruit coming out of high school. And we just haven't seen the development in, over his four years of his career. I, mm-hmm. I feel like there's, there hasn't been too much of a difference between his freshman year and his senior year. Now, obviously, there are some differences. He's making better reads now than he was, but nothing that you would expect over the course of four years. And so that would be my biggest issue right now with the offense is that there's nobody on this staff that um, is developing these quarterbacks. And so I think that's something that would need, should be addressed with the coaching staff is getting somebody who is a uh, highly regarded QB coach that can come in and develop uh, the stable quarterbacks Utah has coming in with this class. With regards to uh, Troy Williams, I, I've heard some things that he uh, could come in and be an upgrade right away compared to Travis Williams. What you, or Travis Wilson? What's your thoughts on that? You know, I, I, I'm hesitant to say that he would be an upgrade just because we don't know, and there's such a huge difference between the, the level of competition between uh, junior college ball and obviously the Pac-12. Uh, but I think he has the potential to become, to come in and be an upgrade. Uh, he, he is so improved as a passer. We, we have a contact out in California that has been watching Troy since his high school days, since he's been at Washington. And he has just been raving about how improved, uh, Troy is not only as a passer, but also as a leader. Um, he says that was one of the big things he struggled with while at Washington is, is really taking command of an offense and commanding, uh, the players on the offense. And so uh, I think that would be a huge thing. And I think even even uh, the biggest supporters of Travis Wilson would probably agree that his leadership on the field isn't exactly what you would want out of a starting quarterback. Uh, he's a little bit more mellow on the field. And it, it doesn't really look too like a leader. Now, obviously, we can't 
I can't speculate as far as his leadership uh, behind closed doors in the locker room and everything. Uh, but I think that's where Troy Williams would be an upgrade. He has kind of a swagger to him. He's got great leadership ability. And he's just been such an, an improved passer that if he can come in and complete a lot of balls, and he's obviously a great athlete, I think he can match what Travis Wilson is doing, if not uh, improve upon that. Hey, uh, Andrew, uh, as far as a uh, a commit to another school on campus, uh, another one in Jonah Trinaman. Tell uh, tell us a little bit about him and what uh, I know he's currently committed to BYU, and uh, there were some reports that uh, he's been looking uh, or at least in contact with Utah, uh, UW, I believe. Tell us a little bit about him, what he brings to the table. Yeah, you know this is a it's a guy that the Utah staff currently is going after really hard. They really do like. Uh, what he brings to the table. He's about six foot, 180 pounds, and he's just got great speed. He's somebody that can come in and be a reliable deep threat. Um, and so there is interest. What, what, we know that what are those? What are deep threats? Say that again. What are deep threats? I'm just, I'm just being, I'm just being a smart <laughs> no, owl. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm right there with you. I mean, after this year, it's kind of, it, it's kind of perplexing to think about having a, uh, a wide receiver who can really stretch the field. But he is that guy. Um, he's somebody that you can, that can stretch the field, uh, great speed, and there is interest there. There's mutual interest. He's interested in Utah now. I can't confirm the reports that he was on campus today. I know that there was some of those English flying around, um, but I know there's interest there. The Utah staff has told us they are still going after him very hard uh, despite his commitment to BYU, and he's somebody that they would love to flip, and he would come in and uh, be a contributor from day one. Well, Andrew, thank you so much for jumping on and, and taking time out of your busy night. I know we have Thanksgiving tomorrow, and you know, thank you for taking time away from your family to join us. Where can people find you online and on Twitter? Yeah, no problem. You know, it's my pleasure. I'm always happy to come on and talk a little Utah football with, with a lot of great guys. And so uh, it's my pleasure. You can find me online, uh, obviously, at UteSportsReport.com, part of the Scout.com network. Uh, then on Twitter at a at a Gorin Scout. Uh, that's where you can find me online, and uh, I appreciate you guys having me on. Anytime, we'll have to have you come back on, especially right before signing day. Uh, you know, we're big fans of of Scout dot com and the Ute report that you guys put out. You guys are top notch when it comes to recruiting, especially with all the inside information with the University of Utah. So we really appreciate your time. Yeah, no problem. I appreciate that, and just let me know. I'd be more than happy to come on again. All right, buddy. Hey, take care. Very good. Thank Thanks, you. Andrew. Yeah, you- Yep, no problem. See you guys. So I know we don't have a lot to really be positive about with Utah the last few weeks, but at least we can get excited about recruiting. And especially after what Andrew was just talking about, I'm, I know we shouldn't be worrying about next year because we still have this year to cheer on the Utes and whatnot, but the future does look bright and that is promising. No, this, I think this will be, uh, you know, just based off numbers and, with the potential to still land some pretty big recruits, um, you know, this looks to be probably one of our best classes in, in school history. So, you know, not the season how we wanted it to end, but I think we're still building in the right direction. Got a lot of got a lot of great players that are come in and I think some that we're gonna see immediately. You know, we we lose we lose our entire linebacking core. Um, which we just talked about and, and uh, you know, some different spots throughout the program where there's going to be opportunities for either redshirt freshmen or true freshmen to come up and, 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 and play immediately. You can look at it two ways. If true freshman's playing, 
Are are they just that good, or are we just weak at that position? But you know, it's gonna it'll be determined by what we can, uh, you know, the talent uh, that some of these guys have. But I'm pretty excited. So I know we have been kind of down the last few weeks. Ute Nation's kind of been a little down. Last week, you know, we were kind of joking around that our episode last week was pretty negative. We're going to turn that around, Ute fans. We're just going to lie. We, oh, are we? We are going to be <laughs> cheerful. We are excited to be Ute fans. No, okay, so Utah loses to UCLA. That doesn't make doesn't even put a touchdown on the board. I'm gonna be up about it. We were we were three field goals away from winning that game. (laughs) (laughs) Here's the positives I'm taking away. Joe Williams was impressive. Yeah, he had a fumble. You know, that's a mistake. That needs to be cleaned up. But for going from getting very little time whatsoever to being able to carry the offensive load for an entire game. I was very impressed with him. I think he he brings a lot, and not to turn this into a negative, but what we saw from him, why was he on the bench all season long? Yeah, there should have been split in time. I mean, not not evenly, I don't think, but he should have got more playing well, time well, just, to, just to give Booker some breathing what what was the plan all along with Troy McCormick? Before Troy went out, he was going to be used heavily in this offense, similar, you know, obviously not replacing Book, but he was going to be used because of what he brought to the table, the, the speed that he had and just the playmaking ability that he brought. He goes out in the spring um, with a torn ACL, so we just kind of wiped, it seems like we just kind of wiped that off the playbook you're telling me Joe Williams is not Troy McCormick? They're pretty similar, speed-wise, build-wise. Um, so I'm just wondering, why why didn't we use him more? I think that's the million-dollar question, not only with that, but just with the whole offensive side on the ball. You know, and it, it, it kind of makes you wonder, what other gems do we have hidden on the bench? Why we continue to play guys that don't make plays? That's the other million dollar question. <laughs> or why are we putting guys in situations where they can't make plays? You know, I, uh, what are you referring to, Cameron? I'm I'm in the wide receiver and core. I'm not going to say they're the worst in the league. I'm not saying they're the best in the league, but I think there's some opportunity where we could have had them in different situations to utilize their talents a little bit more. Oh, I think most definitely. I mean, if, you know, I love our guys, and, you know, they give it their all. Kenneth Scott, you're not going to get a better guy than Kenneth Scott. He's a great ambassador to this program. He's given it his all. And quite frankly, when we throw him the ball, he's productive. You know, um, we're a little young in some other positions. But if you compare our wide receiving core to most of this conference, we're we're on the short end of the stick. And, you know, that's not breaking news. That's, you know, I'm not trying to be harsh here. I think that's reality if you look at look at the stats. And uh, that's where we've got the room to improve is to bring in playmakers that can stretch the field just like this Jonah Tr- uh, Trineman, 
uh, JC kid um, that uh, we're trying to, to trying to swing. You know, you got Alec Dana, who again is another JC wide receiver we're bringing in. Um, pretty highly touted, got some size. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. Obviously, you know, we hear these, we hear it year after year. Oh, they're highly touted. They, they're going to be game changers. And, you know, sometimes that happens, sometimes that doesn't. But we've got to upgrade that playmaking ability because we saw second half of that game when Covey went out, we could not complete a pass. We, or as Witt says it, we couldn't get separation. But, but why is that? I mean, is it the structure, the route structure? Is it the their ability to run around and get open or inability to run around and get open? I would go for all of the above, Alex. <laughs> well, I mean, a minute ago you talked about Kenneth Scott and how we utilized him. When you think, when you look back at this season, really the only time, the only routes you ever see him catch balls on were comebacks or the or streaks, the deep fade. Yeah, and why not? I mean, he's a big guy. What? There's never any crossing routes. There's, there's nothing. Well, in our defense, I don't think Travis was real successful on throwing across the middle. You know, that probably wasn't his strength. Travis well, and Travis had a rough game. I mean, let's yeah, call it what it is, what it is. He's had a rough career. You know, he he did, he definitely didn't have uh, you know the game we needed him to have, but. That goes back to it's not all on him. He's got to have a line that can give him time, and he's got to get wide receivers that can get off the defensive back, stop playing piggyback the whole time, and get open so that he can hit them. I mean, I think part of it, right, what you said, our route structures. The 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 thing that boggled me, and I'm not a coach. I, I'm not going to sit here and overanalyze this, but with two minutes to go, before halftime and into the game, we had drives where we were trying to score. We were lackadaisical, no urgency, just walking up. A lot of guys were lining up in the wrong positions and having to switch sides of the field. And then the ball snapped and everybody's running a five or six yard route. You know, there's no intermediate passing game that, that we have currently. And again, I think part of that is because of some injuries and we don't have maybe the talent. But, you know, as much as we don't want to admit it, we don't have the depth that we thought we did. And we're we're not where we need to be or really even close to where we need to be offensively to really compete in this league. And again, I think this class is going to go a long way to help build up that depth and, and bring some more playmakers. You know, we can't go back and change the past. So we've just got to improve on the future and, and really just keep building and, and provide uh, the opportunity for guys to go make plays. And so I think you bring up a good point there. I watched the game yesterday, rewatching all of it. And when we had the ball down on the goal line, we were able to punch it in. Sitting in the stadium, I'll admit, I thought the whole thing was on Travis. I was furious with well, him. Well, that first play was. It was. So I, after rewatching it, yeah, he made the wrong read on that first play. But on second and third down, that was on the offensive line. Yeah, and there's no holes. Guys missing. They're men. We were pulling guards. Um, we we pulled on the left and our, the right side. Didn't even know that he was coming. Our pets' and, heads were falling off. 
But I think that's a, a good point that you bring up, uh, Scott, that it wasn't just all Travis. Yeah, he had an off game, but it kind of seemed everyone was a little off. Yeah, and, you know, as that much... goes back to, I mean, look look at the week before in Arizona, that the same thing. There's... With the season on the line, the the South Division on the line, there was just no urgency. It seemed like to to come out and and do what needed to be done to secure the division. I mean, it was in our hands, and we just let it slip away. You know, one thing I do want to talk about um, the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, we've had a lot of injuries. I went back today, and. We all know Whittingham's built this team to win on defense and special teams. Pre-UCLA game, our defense was averaging three turnovers a game, which is great. It's phenomenal. Yeah, take that every That was the first six games. So from USC on, we're only averaging one turnover a game. And I think that's one big key on why our offense has slowed up and why our offense has looked as bad as it is is because the defense isn't helping the offense. And I know that's a lot to ask of the defense. I'm not trying to pin all of our problems on that. But when we've built this team the way Wit has, we have to have the defense create turnovers and win us those games. Well, and and that's definitely the blueprint. I mean, that's that's how Wit's going to that's how that's how we've gotten to the point where we're currently at is through defense and special teams and, you know, some, some average offense. As much as I absolutely hate the argument of injuries, it has taken a toll on this team because, you know, we've lost, we've lost a lot of guys, both on offense and defense, some for significant amount of times, others for maybe just a game or two, but you've, you've seen it. You can't you can't say Johnny Paul's Johnny Paul's healthy right now. Um, his his play is definitely you know declined. I think he's a warrior. He's he's not sitting out, but when he's healthy, he's you, you don't miss him. You don't you don't miss him. Be, when I say you don't miss him, you don't miss him in a play. He's everywhere. Same with Norris, and it's obvious Norris has been dinged up because he's missed a game or two. Uh, but he's yeah. not the same players early on either. No, and we've lost Dimmick for I mean more than half the season, and Kylie Fitz is Kylie Fitz is a starter in this league. Yeah, and and I and I agree with that. And I know I just kind of threw out that it's it's the defense that we need to help win us games. And the as far as the guys that are coming in and filling in, they are doing a a great job. We held UCLA to seventeen points. Yeah, that should that's be our low, lowest to, total of the season. If you hold an opponent to seventeen in the Pac-12, you should win on your home field. So I'm not trying to pin, with the Pac-12 title on the I'm line. I'm not trying to pin all of this the on Rose the Rose because the offense. I need does some more Disneyland music. I'm getting kind of sad. <laughs> the offense does need to do their share of the load and put touchdowns. But I, you can see where this team is really built. It's on the defensive side of the ball to create those short fields. For the offense, and it always will be. And uh, you know, I as much as we as a fan base, or or the the percent of percentage of fan base that wants a different change offensively and a different philosophy, you know, Witt's been doing this a long time, and if he hasn't changed now, I really don't see it uh, see it happening. But 
I will say this. I went back this week and rewatched highlights of the Oregon game. We are not nearly the same team then as we are now. And part of that, I think, is injuries. We're not as healthy. Um, but the problem is you're going to say that every year. You're going to say that every year with every team in this conference. UCLA's hammered. They've been hammered all season long. Arizona, they've been brutal. I mean, it's it's insane how many injuries they've had, and yet they've still produced. So, you know, injuries have played a part, but at some point we've got to be able to overcome these injuries and still be able to produce because we're not the only team that goes through this, nor will we ever be. So that's that's where we've got to overcome this, and I think part of that's depth, but part of it is just overall talent in the program to be able to step up and fill those roles when, uh, when a position becomes available. I mean, because look, since we've joined the Pac-12, we've had three seasons, three games all at home to either clinch or get us um, in a position to go to the Pac-12 title game. Three times in five years. And what is our record in those three games, And we've Scott? lost all three. And if you really look at every season we've been in the Pac, we faded down the stretch. It goes to depth. It goes to being able Does to... Does it go to coaching at all? Oh, I think some of it. Because there's people out there, and we can talk about this, that people have said that Witt has hit his ceiling. Well, there's an argument to that. I, I don't know if I believe it. If you would have asked me uh, 5 o'clock Saturday afternoon, I probably would have said yeah. But as I've calmed down and looked at things, I think... What does Witt say all the time? The lifeblood of a program is your players and your recruiting. And I think we're seeing it. We don't have the talent of UCLA. We don't have the talent of Arizona. The question is, can we get the talent of those teams? That's the question. If we can, I love our chances to win a title in this conference because we've got we play good enough defense and we have great special teams, and I don't think that's going to change. And if we can slowly, and it's probably going to be slowly, you fans prepare. We're not just going to be overnight a dynamic offensive team. But give it another two, three years, and maybe we could have a, pro, uh, a somewhat prolific offense. And I think we're also spoiled being the Mountain West, being able to compete for the championship year in and year out, just because of the nature of the conference. Yeah, well, we were a big dog but in I think the conference. We, we do need to have some patience, and me included. I'm with you. I mean, I'm with all you guys <laughs> sitting there in the stands after that game. I was just furious with Whittingham. And part of me thinks he may have met, reached his ceiling. But then you look back and he's been doing this for so long and he's he always delivers on the defensive side of the ball. I just wish that he would. And I don't know what necessarily what the pro. Obviously, I don't know what the problem is. If he meddles in the offensive side of the ball and doesn't let his coaches call game plans like they feel like they should, or he just doesn't recruit well to that side of the ball. I, I don't know. All uh, all of the above. I think it's all of the above. The inconsistency of the coaching staff. I think is it was a is a big deal. Well, and I think Andrew made a very good point. It's we see guys on the defensive side come in and get better. 
they improve. Offensive side of the ball, I mean, you could argue Booker hasn't improved. From day one, he was a stud. Now, granted, that's hard to improve when well, you're, when you're t- already one t- of the best. But it took him four games to figure it out. Yeah. But, I mean, Travis, you could argue, really hasn't improved all that much. Look at our wide receiving core. I'm not sure any of them outside of Covey, maybe Kenneth Scott, you could say have drastically improved. You know, I think we've got, t- on offense, we've got too many place sitters. Too many people just holding the place instead of, by far, winning the job. By default, they're in the position. And that in the Pac-12, you can't do that. You can't just be good enough to get the position because of you default into it. You got to be out there, and you got to earn it, and you got to be sh- making plays for all 11 guys, and then their backups have got to be able to do that. And maybe that's unrealistic, but to get to where we want to get, we've got to make some big improvements in that area. And I think we will. I think we will, but it's not going to happen overnight. Uh, tell me what you guys think. I, I'm i not asking for uh, any wholesale changes in, in the coaching staff because I think there needs to be some consistency there that w- that hasn't been there over the last several years. But I really think whether it's letting a coach go so you can bring in another one or just reassigning, but bringing in somebody who is an actual quarterback coach that can develop a quarterback. There's nobody on this staff that's qualified to do that. Nobody on the staff has played quarterback at the co- collegiate or pro level. I think that's a, a, a fair statement. I don't know if you guys caught uh, Riley Jensen, friend of the program here. He was on uh, 1280 this morning, and he even talked about he's the offensive coordinator for Alta High. And he even, sign him up. He even said that being the offensive coordinator, he he had things slip on his quarterback's development because he's so focused on running the offense, calling the next play, getting it all together. He himself has said, "I need to reevaluate this off season and how I can better my quarterback with his mechanics during the season." Well. Is there is there a, a a more difficult position to coach on a football team? I mean, I'm I'm not I'm not including coordinators because that's a big job, but I'm saying defensive line, linebacker, wide receiver, offensive line. Maybe you may, you can maybe argue offensive line. That's that's a that's a really important and tough job. But is there a more important position than quarterback? No, because the offense revolves around what that guy can do. So, again, why is it we're having an ex-wide receiver who's also in charge of game planning every week and calling plays being our quarterback coach? Well, that would explain why Travis Wilson has not improved dramatically. I, 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 you could argue that he's improved um, over, the, over his career. I mean, he... He really hasn't done that much over the four years. No, I mean, but I would argue. I mean, I think Wit. I mean, Wit's not a Wit's a smart guy. He knows there's deficiencies, but how much of is it a factor if Wit want if Wit says I'm going to go and I'm going to hire ourselves a great quarterback coach? How much of it is it that those coaches may not want to come here? 
That's what I was just going to say. If you're an offensive coach and you're seeing what's been happening on the offensive side of the ball, do you really want to pick up your family and move across the country? I mean, we don't have the best track record. No. And you could argue we don't have the greatest job security on the offensive side either. No, so, but there there's a guy who lives here locally who played for Utah that'd be a great, Frank Dolce? great quarterback coach. That, he wouldn't be bad, but that's not who I'm thinking about. <laughs> Think about Scott Mitchell. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. And I don't know enough about the day-to-day and... I mean, just I, I think there's some truth. Just because you played the game doesn't mean you're qualified to be a, a coach, especially at a high level. No, oh, I mean, but he's got coaching. Coaching. I mean, he coached Springville High to one championship at least. Yeah, and, you know, and and you know, I don't know. I I'm not going to pretend to. Maybe know. he doesn't want to coach college. I'm not saying he does or doesn't, but I'm just saying there's a guy who played at your school who. Th- threw that ball around like no other quarterback at the U has and has yeah. several years experience in the pros. No, I I think I think that's a, I think that's a big uh, a big point of that. I'm just I'm just wondering kind of playing devil's advocate, maybe it's not as easy as we think it should be to get that type of coach here. Um I don't know. But regardless, I, I will be interested to see what kind of happens this off season, because as frustrating as I've been at times with A Rod, we have to keep some continuity, and A Rod's better than this. I mean, he showed it. He showed it uh, in twenty was it twenty ten when you know, when uh, we were rolling till the TCU train hit us. But um, you know, I don't know. I I don't I don't know. We don't have the answers. I'm hoping the coaching staff can find the answers. And one thing we know for sure, and the one answer we do have, is there's going to be a change on the offense because that's what always happens in the Utah offseason. <laughs> well, I think I think Woodingham would be crazy to change offensive coordinators again after all this has gone through. I think I, I there's got to be some continuity for the players and for the recruiting that you've got to maintain some of that, or you're just gonna continue to wallow in mediocrity yeah. like we've done. Well, I, I think you will. I don't think you'll see a change unless either A. Rod or Harding take another job. At that point, you just let the other one, whichever one stays, run the run the offense. Because quite frankly, I'm not a big fan of the co-ocs because. You can't tell me. I mean, we're running Dave Christensen's offense still. And why are we running Dave Christensen's offense? Well, because of Harding. If A-Rod had his way, do you think we'd be running this offense? I don't. Maybe I'm wrong. I mean, look at it. We've got two OCs that have different philosophies, who have different uh, different uh, schemes. And and A Rod is essentially being forced to run and to call plays from a scheme that he probably would be doing differently if if he had full say. Do you think he'd have the guts to make a change, even if you keep both of them on the staff, but just go to one OC? Could A Rod take another demotion? Well, you're assuming that that he demotes A Rod and not Harding. Well, it could be Harding. I don't know. I don't think so. I think Wit. I think Wit loves Harding. 
And he, I think Witt wants Harding to be here for a long time. Well, so I don't think he's going to demote him. With the possibility, I mean, if you we beat Colorado this weekend, which is not a for sure thing, but most likely. Um, and then you win your bowl game. I mean, you go 10-3. and three. He's probably not going to make too many changes. No, and you know what? Whittingham is up for Coach of the Year in the Pac-12. And he's still he's still on the list for national coach honors. So we're all we're all chopping our heads off and running around like the the end of the world is near. And Whittingham is still being looked at as one of the best coaches in this country this year. So I think, you know, if we all just take a step back, there's still some positives and some good things happening. If we could just correct this darn offense, then uh, I think we'd all uh, be in uh, a lot better mood. That's the whole thing. I mean, you really, if you do finish 10 and 3, there's nothing, there's nothing really wrong with that. It's just when you look back at where we were and think about what could have been if you just had some more capability on the offensive side of the ball. I think it comes down to how you got to 10 and 3. You know, there's the argument out there I keep hearing. Can't be too mad. Look, look what our offense got us. My argument would be more: we got to this point because of our defense and in spite of our offense. Speaking of coaching and wit, there are some rumors out there. Obviously, the rumor about <clears throat> Whittingham to USC happens as soon as happened as soon as Sark was fired. But there's also some rumors about uh, wit to LSU. What do you guys think about that? No way that happens. Tell me the difference between Les Miles and Kyle Whittingham. Well, there is, one there, eats grass; the other one works on his calves. Oh, jeez! They both end with abs. So I don't think the USC thing is not going to happen, in my opinion, because Whittingham doesn't have the offensive background that USC is always looking for. But in the I, I think I think that's a much more likely landing spot than LSU. He 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 won't get a sniff from LSU because LSU is paying seventeen million dollars to to tell Les Miles to leave seventeen million dollars, and he is a run the ball, play good defense, and trick plays on special teams coach. Does that not sound loud and clear like Kyle Whittingham? So it that's why I think there's more of a I mean, he's more of an SEC coach than I mean, with his defense and lack of offense. He's definitely an SEC coach type of coach. Yeah, you probably aren't going to see Big Twelve teams lining up to to bring Whittingham over. But um, Les Miles is a pretty dynamic recruiter, so he's got that over Kyle. So I don't think there's I I don't think there's any legs to that one. USC I still don't think will happen. I think it could have if we continued on, but I think they would take a bit of a hit PR wise hiring Wit after kind of how things have finished. I don't know. Maybe maybe they'll still make a run at him. And you remember last off season, who thought Gary Anderson was coming to the Pac-12? Who thought Nebraska would go hire Mike Riley? I think there's going to be some head scratchers and some weird things that happen within the Pac-12. Namely, our buddy, Mr. Psycho, Finkel's the mayor. 
down in uh, Arizona. Rich Rod. I think Rich Rod's gone. Miami. I think he's going back to the East Coast. I think he is too. I think he. I think he wants the Virginia uh, Tech job. Whether whether he's going to get that, I don't know. He but could easily take the Miami job as well. I would love to see him off into the wind back east. <laughs> I would too, because we can't beat him. <laughs> no, not even on a good day. We haven't had a good day. For quite some time. You know, you know why we haven't had a good day? Dang it, I'm getting this off my chest. Why are you touching me? <laughs> you hear that? I'm pounding the table. That's how frustrated I am. Why do we not wear red? Seriously. Why on earth? It's been over a month since we've worn the color red. Well, and we've only worn the red helmet twice. Tw- twice. The new long. the new red helmet, our old red helmet, we've only worn once at Fresno. So, so three times total the red helmet, two of the satin and one of the original, and everything else has been... We're Highland High School. Yeah. We're wearing white and black. And the all red with the black helmet looks ridiculous. Uh, I'll tell you right now, I love, I love our captains, but they need to be relieved of picking, of the duties of picking our uniforms each week. We are Utah. We're red and we're white. We're not black and white. We're not these weird combinations. We have not worn the same combination once. Since when did we turn into Oregon? And, and you know, I get it, you fans. This is all about recruiting. It's all what the players nowadays like is they like changing things up. I get it. And I know it's not going to change, but it's not still not going to stop me from ranting how ridiculous we look some of these weeks. Yeah, I mean the the black to me is cool on occasion to change it up and it's the in thing to do in college football but to go away from your primary color as much as we do I don't agree with it. So our punter in new news this week, our punter who uh holds the other 20% of our offense um was just named a finalist for the Ray Guy award. So he's got the chance again. To win it back-to-back years, he's going up against the punter from San Jose State and Colorado State. Um, I don't know anything about their punters, but they can't be nearly as good as ours. So, I like our chances. They can't be nearly as good as ours. I like that. (laughs) Well, nobody punts as much as we do. (laughs) By default, he's got to be in the lead. He gets extra practice because of our offense. The more reps, the better. That is great for Hackett, where you get that recognition. Don't sound so, so enthused about that. <laughs> let game. me let me rephrase that. That's great for Hackett, getting two years in a row recognition for that. Let's hope and pray that we actually don't need to use him very much in this coming game against Colorado. But that if we don't use him very much, I mean, we're kind of between a rock and a hard place because if we don't use him very much, there goes his candidacy. For really solidifying a final week before the voters go to the polls. You know, I think we have enough footage from this year for him. I, I think we'll be all right this coming week. Oh, trust me, he'll still get used this week. <laughs> I'm hoping for 12 field goals and seven punts. Oh, gosh, 12. That's a lot of possessions. So Colorado's coming in to Rice Stadium 
four and eight, one and seven in conference. Their only conference win over Oregon State and the used car salesman up in Corvallis. So this is a game that Utah should win against Colorado. Vegas has them by 16 points. Can we score 16 points? That's the big key. Can we get a touchdown? Hopefully we can. Colorado comes in with their backup quarterback. 16 points. I think that's too high. I think Utah wins, but I think it's going to be closer. I mean, every game we've had with Buff- with the Buffaloes have been close. It, this is a true rivalry, believe it or not. Yeah, I don't buy it, but... Uh... No, it's not, but I think the game will be close. I got Utah 24, Colorado 17. All right, I got, I think we're going to uh, take a real step forward offensively, and I think we put at least at least 15 points on the board. So I'm going to say 15... 15-7, final score. 15? All field goals? Why Why break up a good thing? Utes are going to score some points this week, only because of the opponent, but I'd say they win 38-17. 38? Ryan's been sipping on some peace cough syrup. So let's all hope Utah can get a victory this week against Colorado. And as you know, we like to pick some Pac-12 games. So far on the year, it's going to come down to this week to determine who is the champion. Scott and Ryan, you guys are tied at 24-9. and nine. Dun, dun, dun. And I'm a little far back at 21-12. and 12. Ooh, a three-game? You can't do anything. Hey, you're, uh, you're only a field goal out. <laughs> <laughs> so this week, Scott is picking first. So you got a and shot that, if we if we go goose egg it. We can't get the ball in the end zone. You got a chance. But yeah. you can only tie us if even if we both go 0-3. Well, this is going to be interesting because I'm going to set the pace. We'll see what Ryan does to see if he just settles for a tie and f- picks my follows my picks. So the games we have this week are Washington State at Washington, UCLA at USC, and Notre Dame at Stanford. So, Scott, we have Washington State at Washington battling for the Apple Cup. There's not a line on the game because Folk may or may not be playing. Who do you like? This is the information I need because if if Folk plays, I, oof, I'm, I'm, I'm a little perplexed on this one. I am going to go with Washington State. I'm going to go a little bit different than you on this one. I'm going to take Washington Huskies. Ryan? All right, Ryan. I think Falk's the difference in this game. If he plays, Washington State wins. Um, go either way, but I think I'll go with Washington State because they're at home. And next is UCLA at USC for the Pac-12 South Division. USC's favored by three and a half. Scott, where are you going? Oh, this is, a, this is another tough one. Wow, he's saving all the tough ones for the final week. I hope I don't buckle under the pressure. Laces out, Dan. Um, I my heart says USC, but my head says UCLA. So I think what I'm gonna do, I'm going to say the dirty, dirty Trojans. They have not beaten a Jim Mora team. At UCLA, so I think Clay Helton is uh, coaching for his job at UCLA or at USC, and 
at home, I think they break that streak, and I think they win. I tend to agree with you. I like the Trojans in this one as well. I think it will be USC and Stanford playing for the Pac-12 championship. Ryan, where are you going? I will go with the Trojans at home. And so the far, last he's game, right on my right on my coattails here. Last game we have Notre Dame at Stanford. This one, Notre Dame was favored by three to open up, and now it's moved to Stanford by three. It's it's really a toss up game. Scott, where are you going? Well, it's a matter of whether I back the pack or I pick the better team. I'm going to go with Stanford. I think uh, this will be, I'm really excited for this game. I think it's going to be a really good one. Um, and actually, both uh, both of these games, both the USC, UCLA, and the Stanford, uh, this is going to go a long way in determining where Utah ends up bowl game, with their bowl game. So I'm actually hoping Stanford wins, but I do think they do get the W. I think uh, um, Notre Dame is playing on borrow time. I'm going to go Stanford as well. You know, I think being at home, uh, they're really trying to push for McCaffrey for a Heisman. I don't know if he's done enough the whole season to get it, but I think that will help push them over the edge. I thought you were saying they're trying to push to get some fans in the stands. That too. Try and get a home field advantage. Hopefully Condoleezza Rice will be there. I don't know. That was awkward. But I'm picking the trees. But, but at least you looked into my eyes when you said it. The trees will take down the fighting iris. Ryan, where are you going? I think this is where I step forward and win the race. The Irish come in and get it done. Even more reason to despise the dirty, dirty Irish. So there's our picks. Go ahead and tell us on Twitter uh, what you like uh, in the games. Ryan, where can people find you on Twitter? At drum and feather. That's drum, the letter N, feather. And Scott? All right, before I give you that, I just I got to go on one little diatribe here before we end up. Senior day. We didn't talk about this. It's senior day. We're losing a lot of good seniors that have meant a lot to this program. I know we're disappointed. I know there's not a lot on the line anymore. But you fans better pack this house. As Cam likes to put it, this is a rivalry game. But our seniors deserve it. We got to uh, we got to send them out right. Um, be there early. It'll be nice and toasty. A whopping thirty four degrees. But no, in all sincerity, you know we're Travis Booker, nineteen seniors who have given a lot to this program, and uh, we really deserve to uh, to send them out and show our appreciation to them, regardless of what you think of them individually. So I'm excited for that. You can find me at Uteman underscore forever on Twitter. And I'd love to tweet at you. I'd love to have you tweet at me. We could tweet. Tweedledee, Tweedledum. And you can follow me and this podcast on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at Utah Man Podcast, as well as download us on iTunes and Stitcher. And catch us at our home 24-7 on tornbysports.com. Go Utes. Go Utes. We'll be telling that The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are their own and are no way affiliated with the University of Utah. Chim chimini, chim chimini, <laughs> chim chim cheroo. Covey is broken, so our offense is too. 80%.
of the offense was his, along with the booker, and now that it's gone, we have nothing left but handsome Hadley. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was that was pretty dynamic right there. Well, the first line was good. You guys ruined the rest of it. <laughs> oh, it's all about me. It's all about me. There's no, there's no I in team, Ryan. Oh, okay, my bad. There's no I in Utah Man podcast. <laughs> Some of the locks analogies drive me crazy. Well, stopped on a dime and left six cents changed. <laughs> six cents. Do you think Gordon Hayward and Quinn Snyder compare hair gel? Oh, I bet there's, I bet there's some big hair game in that locker room. 